from Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me, this is God made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. May uh, we begin our message today by stating some obvious thoughts that come to mind as we read these words. First, all men and all women are born onto this earth in much the same way. Uh, Each of us generally with some uh, similar faculties and, and abilities. And somehow, with what we bring with us then, and then what we learn as we grow, we become relatively productive adults, finding our way in a world that has so many different directions and and opportunities uh, available to us. As we think about that from first observation, and given no further information, it would appear that the directions that we take in our lives are just a series of random choices and happenstance. As we grow from childhood, we seem to be good at this or that, and so we follow this or that pathway. Uh, We uh, grow and we find uh, work in this or that city, and so we go there. And along the way to there, we meet someone that seems compatible with us, and so we marry them. And from our marriage, then, we have children, and then that cycle seems to begin all over again. But the question that is constantly being put before us in uh, these words of Scripture, and especially as we would read these here today, uh, the question is, is life really just an assortment of those random chances and opportunities? Or is there a greater mind, a greater hand that is continually at work to guide and to direct uh, all those many activities and directions uh, that are taking place in our life? Well, in Jeremiah 29.11, God gave us very specifically uh, the answer to that question. He says, For I know the plans that I have for you, Plans for welfare, for your welfare, and not for calamity or for evil, but for your goodness to give you a future and a hope. And he goes on to say that then, from that then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll hear you. And you'll seek after me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's God's answer for those seemingly random choices. And here's another set of verses. Listen to this. This is in Acts 17, beginning in verse 26. 
He, that is God, made from one man, every nation, from Adam, from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having determined their appointed times, the very moment you and I would be born, and the boundaries of their habitation, that we would be here today, living in the area that we live in, and in this church today, the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek after God, if perhaps they might even grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Simple answers for the questions that we have about all those opportunities that we encounter each day. As we would read these words and and consider all the many events that have taken place and all all through the page of this uh, of this Bible and then also all the many events that have taken place in our own lives we can easily see that life and all those events within it are not really that random or that unplanned Here in the words that I've just read to us, God is declaring to us, folks, very clearly and very plainly that He knows us. He knows us very well. He knows us by name, Scripture tells us, each one of us. He has known us even before we were born. Listen to these words from Psalm 139. The psalmist declares of God, God, you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet they were not one of them. God knew us before we were ever formed, and He decided the very moment that we would come into being, and He would number the days until the end, and we breathed our last. They're very clear. They're in plain language. But it does take the Holy Spirit to understand them. And that's why so many people who don't know Christ can read these same words and not understand just how uh, important they are for us and what they do say to us. God not only sees our whole existence, folks. These words tell us that He is intimately involved in everything that takes place within all of those moments of our lives, beginning from the very first moment of our conception all the way to the end of our existence. Now, unfortunately, though we're able to easily read these words and we can intellectually comprehend them, there's still so often this this wide gap in our ability to accept them, and especially, as I said earlier, to embrace them. And that's true even for those of us who claim to really believe in the God that, that has written these words for us. We seem to continually waver One moment accepting and embracing and then the next moment doubting. In our best moments, we're happily walking hand in hand with God. 
I'm a very visual thinker, as I've said, and I can just see myself walking along and him holding on to my hand. So in our best moments, we're just walking along with him and holding on to his hand. But then the next moment, the next moment, we're like that rebellious child that's flailing against our father's hand, trying to get loose, to go and play over there or over there. Our concerns and desires seem most often to be in reaching for that uh, momentary enjoyment and not those long-term effects and consequences that might take place with what we're doing because of what we're doing. Thankfully, as any good father would do, God our Father is patient with us and He resists letting us tear loose from his hand and and go running willy-nilly into every situation that that strikes our fancy. He lovingly hangs on to our hand and and, and gently guides us towards the plans that he has for us. That's what he's talking about there in Jeremiah. However, with that being said, in his great wisdom, sometimes he allows us with our insistence on having our own way, He allows us to go ahead and wander from His grasp. Much like as with Adam and Eve, those moments of freedom bring about severe, destructive, long-term consequences. And that kind of unfortunate scene plays out continually every moment of every day all over the world. But thankfully, though, God does not always acquiesce to our rebellious and our childish demands. He wades on through our our flailing and squirming. I'm thinking and being reminded of, as I shared with you last week, uh, my my little granddaughter. Uh, She could flail. She can. She can flail and she can squirm. And she can just about get loose from me. But God wades on through our flailing and our squirming to be set free. And, and through what very often are painful circumstances for us, uh, He goes ahead and drags us kicking and screaming along the path of His special plan for us. Now here in today's passage, the Apostle Paul is referring back to that exact kind of handling and guidance in his own life. In verse 3, he refers back to something that had taken place earlier. He says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. Now, these words, by revelation he made known to me the mystery, they're very significant words in, in the Apostle Paul's life. Now, God does not often lay out his complete plan before us. He most often just keeps much of his plan cloaked in mystery, and then reveals only the part that we need to know for the moment. Now with Paul, the manner of God's revelation that he speaks about here was very dramatic, very breathtaking. Paul had been commissioned by the Jewish leadership to go out and to seek out and to imprison anyone that would convert to Christ. Then one day, he was suddenly slammed to the ground and made to listen to God's plan. Listen to this account. This, while I was did not experience this exact uh, kind of circumstance, I can identify with it. Because I 
did not come to Christ easily. Listen to this. This is from Acts 26. And here the Apostle Paul is giving his testimony before King Agrippa. And he says to him, While thus occupied, this is verse 12 of Acts 26, While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when all we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both to the things which you have seen and to the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then back in Acts 9-6, Jesus uh, said to Paul, Now rise and enter into the city. And you will be told what you're to do. Folks, God's hand is so obviously involved in this. This wasn't something that Paul decided to do on his own. Listen though. Again, I want to mention, God doesn't usually lay all these plans out like he did with Paul. Most often he he gives moment by moment guidance. But this was going to be a very special plan. A very special plan that you and I are very glad about. Because this plan that he was calling Paul into was going to reach to the far ends of the earth. And it was going to include you and me, the Gentiles. Because this is so important to us. Because up until this point, only the Jewish family of God was being invited into his banquet house. To his banqueting table. Now here. We Gentiles, through this special calling that he was putting on Paul's heart, uh, this was going to be for you and me. And because of this, you and I now can be saved. Again, God here clearly reached his hand into a man's life and said to him, Paul, you are going to do exactly as I say, and don't give me any backtalk. Now, I know that's in today's language. But folks, Paul didn't have a choice in this. God chooses to do that quite often in our lives. Yes, He gives us choices. But there are other times when He says, No, you're coming to me, you're going to do exactly as I say. That's what He did with with Paul. And just to make it clear to Paul, He says, I want to make you blind. And you're going to stay that way for a while. And then unbeknownst to Paul, to accentuate this special nature of God's plan and His, not just involved hand, but His direct hand, God reached into another man's life. His name was Ananias and he was there in the city already. 
And he gave Ananias this privilege of being involved in this great opportunity, this great salvation that you and I have today. Uh, In Acts chapter 9, verse 10, uh, we read, Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called State Street, Straight Street, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias, you, will come and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him, listen to these words, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Folks, are we listening carefully to these words? This is God reaching into a man's life and guiding and directing every move. Many questions should come to our mind as we read these words. And that is one, does God do this all of the time in each of our lives? Is He doing this very thing right now in my life, in your life? Has He got hold of you right now directing you in some matter or another and you just didn't see His hand? Some recent decisions, perhaps, that you thought you were making. Was that you that made those decisions? Or was it really God who was making them for you? Are you, am I still that rebellious child who's continuing to flail and to squirm against the hand of God? trying our best to get free, to go and do my own thing, the thing that I want to do, to have my own way, to not be held back by His tightly grasping hand. And as I think about it, why should I be doing that though? Why should you be doing that? Why should we be struggling against that hand? If He has a loving plan and means only good for us, remember the song we just sang, He doeth all things well. God is good and He doeth good, Psalm 119 tells us. Why are we struggling against His hand, His direction? If He has such a loving plan for us, why am I fighting against Him? Why do I continue to fight against Him? Those words again, let me read them. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for your welfare, for your goodness, for the best things you could ever want to have. And not for that calamity, that evil that you might otherwise get yourself into. Because I want you to have a future and a hope, he says. Listen. God gives us His name, Father, for a reason. 
And that's because He wants us to identify with understanding that He is a loving Father. And He wants the very best for us. And He didn't want us to be one of those flailing children or like one of those foolish sheep that we read about in Scripture and we've seen where there's this inherent nature to stray, to, to get away from the safety that's in Him and in the flock. When I think about that, I think in today's language that, uh, uh, yes, there is a flawed gene within our DNA. It's a corrupt gene that causes us to want to go astray. That flawed gene, by the way, in our DNA is, is what our Scriptures here call the sin nature. It was passed along through all the many generations, all the way back beginning with Adam and Eve. But thankfully, thankfully the truth of these words given to us here in the book of Jeremiah, they are really real. They really are real. God really does have a precious and loving plan for our lives, for your life. For your life. Has He planned out every person's life? Now I confess, I I really don't know all the answers to all of those fringe kinds of questions that come up. But listen, based on the fact that you are here today and are listening to this message, I would declare to you that you and I are a part of His plan. That's why we're here. And we ought to get silent. Quiet in all of those other voices within our head that seems to distract us and begin to listen to His words. Here in this passage, God laid out an exact path that He was going to take the Apostle Paul along. He would start by getting Paul's attention so that Paul would listen. Then he would hold Paul captive in blindness until Paul was receptive to his words. Those verses 12 and 13 of Jeremiah 29 speak that. He says, Then you will call on me. Because you remember the Apostle Paul was over there waiting on Ananias and he was praying. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That was what Paul was doing as Ananias was coming to see him. God had gotten his attention and Paul was really ready. And that's when God began to reveal the next part of his plan. It was a plan that would lead Paul far and wide all over the earth, saving souls, bringing them to Christ. I want us to note here also that the the plan that God had for Paul was not one that was going to be for his exclusive benefit and pleasure. A plan where Paul could just get saved and then have a happy and trouble-free life the way we want it to be for ourselves. Yes, Paul would have eternal life. And right now he's, I'm sure, somewhere there in the heavenlies enjoying a wonderful a position of honor at the throne of God. But while he remained here, while he remained here on the earth, Paul would suffer and he would struggle as he went about 
blessing everyone except himself. Except himself. And I want to emphasize that. Because you and I live in a very corrupt culture with corrupt ideals. Individually and culturally, we are most often self-centered. Even to the point of narcissism. We look for and we hunger after ways to improve our own circumstance. Most often at the expense of everyone else and especially even those that we claim to love. We hurt those we love most so that we can gain whatever that is we want to gain. But that is not God's plan for us. God's plan emulates the plan of Christ. A plan where other people benefit. Other people benefited at the expense of Christ. And that's what He wants for you and me. That we would take part in His plan so that others might benefit. So we have to stop and ask ourselves, personally, are we self-centered? Are we self-centered? Is our first thought most always about ourselves and our plans? Do we want what we want? Are we, as the Apostle Paul was said to be here, do we kick against the goad? Now, for those that don't know, a goad is a a stick with a sharp pointed uh, piece of iron on the tip of it that they used to prod oxen as they would be plowing. And Jesus was saying to the Apostle Paul, that he was kicking against that sharp, painful point and asking why he kept doing it. Because that's what takes place when we go against the thing that God has planned for us. We find that the circumstances get more and more painful. And so I would ask you, are you lately finding yourself struggling against one matter or another in in life? While God might not be knocking you to the ground with a blinding light, He may be using some of the circumstances in your life for that same purpose. That of getting your attention. Of telling you that He wants you to go another direction. A direction that's not centered upon your own ideas and desires, but centered upon a plan that He has for you. One that would benefit and bless other people. That's what God did for Paul. And that's what God wants to do for you. And my counsel to you and to me is to do as the Apostle Paul did. He gave up his own self-centered plans and he agreed to follow Christ and His plan. And Paul was eternally blessed for it. So may I ask, are you, am I ready to listen If we are not ready to listen, we have to be warned. God is our Father and He loves us and He's patient. And He will simply keep that pressure on our circumstances flowing against our rebellion until we stop kicking against the goad. Until we give up and surrender to His plan. Next week I hope to continue with these thoughts and say to us that God, when He calls us to a plan, which He does, 
He also generously then equips us to carry out His plan. And in the words of verse 8 here that we read, with His equipping comes a very, very special kind of power. And we'll talk about that next week. But let's close for now with these verse, these words again from Jeremiah 29. For the Lord says to us, For I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you'll come and you'll call on me and you'll pray to me and I will listen to you. When you seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me with all your heart. Let's pray.